America, my name is Armiose Fernpong. I come to you live every Thursday about this time. Usually a little bit early, but spring break with my kids, so I was goofing around with them, playing soccer in the front yard. And I want to talk a little bit about the BLM grifters and just the dangers of doing a racial justice movement that's not grounded in working class politics and just working class struggles. So the, ble <laughs> the BLM grifters. I've never been a huge fan of the Black Lives Matter, you know, little, uh, I could say words, that group. I've never been a fan. I've never, it didn't really depend on on who it included. I, I just never really bought in to all of these people making money off of Black Death who weren't really trying to actually clarify the conditions of black life, right? So there were some pretty decent cultural documents that emerged out of it. But for the most part, I was never into it because it, honestly, I think the gender thing, I, I, I just seemed like a place that was hostile to black men. And anytime you get out of a place that's hostile to black men, like I just didn't think that like straight black guys had a place to like actually open up their mouth in that space. So you just kind of, it was one of those things where, as long as they weren't doing bad things, I was like, that's fine. They can do what they want to do. And I didn't think, yeah, I, I just, I, I wish they were um, fir more firmly rooted in the working class black struggle. Right. And so, you know, I'm not one of these guys who's going to tell you that, well, you know, when black men die, the best thing is to like, is to like trumpet these black feminists, queer black feminists uh, for the movement. I'm like, well, that's fine. That's fine. But we got to figure out why so many black men are dying so early in so many different ways, <laughs> including police violence. And just like, what is it about black life that makes us so vulnerable? Right. So, and that's going to be about the working class struggle. Why, why are so many black people poor? Right. If Black Lives Matter, why aren't we talking about the hookworms and the lead? Right. So the BLM movement, insofar as it generated attention around black death and the spectacular black death that, you know, black men, that's what we do. We're supposed to die in public. That's our role. <laughs> know your role, Negro. You're supposed to die in public at the hand of the police so that other people can 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 get their nut. And that is. I think that's an unfortunate aspect. I also was always a little bit irked that the movement took racial justice and made it just a police matter. And you could say, well, they talked about prison and other things too. But really, it was never about like, let, what are we going to do to get black men, black people, and black communities jobs and land? <laughs> jobs and land. And like as a people, as a policy, not like an individual come up. But black people need jobs, good jobs. And, you know, secure land with resources next to it, right? So at the end of the day, black people need good jobs and land and contracts. And the, the, the Black Lives Matter movement was never about that in any serious way. So it just seemed like a bunch of black women making money off of black male death and then turning it to intersectionality, which I'm not a real fan of just because it can mean anything. Apparently black men are privileged uh, as for being men. 
If that were the case, well, I, I, I think Tiffany Haddish would have been slapped <laughs> um, at the Oscars or Regina Hall. But no, it's Chris Rock because he was in a peculiar place because he was both black and male. Not because he was male, not because he was black, but because he was black and male. They put him in a peculiar place of vulnerability. And that ended up with him being slapped. Also ended up with no small number of black guys getting lynched. Right. So that there is no such thing as universal male privilege. Actually, it opens up a space of vulnerability for black men. But we can't talk about that in terms of Black Lives Matter because it has to be an intersectional feminist movement, which is additive in theory. So that there's no, there can't be an added vulnerability for being male and black or peculiar vulnerability. I think black women are also vulnerable just in a different way, but black men are vulnerable in a different way. <laughs> so we don't, we can't talk about that. And because, you know, the intersectional feminists get, in, you know, in their way. And anytime the movement became any, any movement, about black people that wasn't about the material poverty of black people it wasn't really ever a movement about black people right this is why i was never a fan of respectability politics um, because that's the politics of potential black people aren't broke i like black working class politics because black people are broke and if you're not yourself broke you're next to somebody you're broke there's someone you can't answer the phone from in your family who's broke and that's that being free uh, you should be able to take all the phone calls. Um, you should be able to take all of the phone calls, not just, yeah, no, yeah. So I'm not surprised. Let me show you the mansion they bought for $6 million. $6 million. There you go. In Los Angeles Studio City. <clears throat> nice place. $6 million. Um, you know, white liberal money went to go uh do that meanwhile black organizers all over the nation could have used it a little bit for like you know providing child care for their meeting for providing food for their meeting for providing a few more flyers for their meeting i mean that money can can distribute to a lot of different places right but instead they consolidated power and bought a nice house with it they call it the campus where they create culture and live and create a safe space for people who are in danger these people I cannot with them. I can't, I just can't, I can't, I can't pretend that they were ever about that life. They were about black death. <laughs> um, and that's, and that's how they got rich off of black death. And I'm not really convinced that they really clarified the struggle. Um, I'm not really convinced because if you clarify the struggle, what you're doing is actually talking about black material poverty and degradation. If you're clarifying the struggle, that's what you're doing. And when people talk about racial justice now, they associate it with merely policing. I, I'm, not, I'm not a fan of that. I, I think you can go and look back at uh, the interview I did with Batia uh, Ungar Sargan. And she uh, was surprised because she was all like, well, you know, racial justice is about policing and education. I'm like, well, no, I want jobs and money and land. And then the education and the, and the police will take care of itself. All right, so policing's like number five on my list. Six, maybe. Jobs, good jobs. Secure jobs, secure contracts, land, um, and endowments, real capital. And then we could talk about policing because I think that all of the other stuff will come from like, you know, yeah, will we'll come from once we're materially made whole. 
once we're, and that that's everyone, not just a few black people. Like everybody needs to be materially made whole, which is one reason I'm for reparation. So, you know, Black Lives Matter is kind of like intersectionality. People say like, well, you know, really, we were talking about that too. It can mean, it, it means that too. And people try to make it mean what it means. Uh, to make it mean anything so it actually means nothing. Black Lives Matter was about criminal justice and black the spectacle of black death. It could be stretched to make it mean anything. Just like intersectionality was about black women <laughs> and the peculiar vulnerability that black women face, which is true, but it's just not additive, right? Like there is no such thing as... Um, universal male privilege which is presumed by at least kimberly crenshaw so um in her in her earlier additive work so what i'm telling you is that don't trust black uh, people who are not rooted in the working class struggle first and first of all and why is this why is this group in los angeles los angeles has been hemorrhaging black people in studio city there are like five negroes in studio city so i don't understand why necessarily it's in los angeles i could see something in chicago like push i could see it in anywhere in the south and honestly six million dollars you could build a huge campus in six million dollars but i think it's in in los angeles because these women wanted to be fancy they wanted friends to be friends with shonda rhimes and anna duvray right you know two very famous black women in the culture industry who do not talk about working class black struggles that's just not their thing um so that's why it's in studio city not atlanta not in south Carolina. like six million dollars you could build an entire like block not a block but you can build a lot in 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 mississippi right and with the internet you could just be right inside of birmingham or jackson set up campus there and actually do real things with the money or somewhere with an airport so you want to go somewhere with an airport if you want to like jet set or going to dc i wouldn't even be that mad if they're at dc if they want to be a national program they they, they wanted a dc base um but they wanted to be la because that's what they want they wanted to be fancy and bougie and that's ultimately what it is and you know they're talking about self-care and all that. so i i don't i don't like them i don't have to like them i guess some of you guys like them maybe they did good work i whatever i they weren't rooted in the working class ness of the black struggle so i think they were ultimately confusing people as to the uh the conditions of racial justice and what black people need to be made whole. They need land. They need good jobs. They need secure contracts. They need capital. Then we can talk about, um, then we can talk about police reform, but centering it on police reform where you still got broke black people. I mean, whatever. Right. So, and they moved to studio city because you know, it's safer there. They didn't move to the hood. What does that mean? What does that mean? They moved to Studio City, a $6 million mansion in Studio City to be safe. So, you know, create culture. They wanted to be fancy. It was like, it was like grifters. They are legit grifters. And we all knew this. I mean, enough of us knew this. By the way, if you want to give me, I give you exactly what you think I give you every week, pretty consistently. Um, I, I, they, I don't need $6 million to create culture. I got a curtain. <laughs> and a microphone and YouTube. And if you want to support me, go ahead and go to www.funkyacademic.com, kick in $5, $15, $50 a month. I'll keep doing what I do. I keep doing what I do. I, uh, you know, 
few interviews, a few think pieces. Um, that's that's that you'll get exactly what you uh, think you'll get, and you'll support me kind of growing this and sustaining this as 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 what it appears to be. I want to add some interviews, and I'd like to get a producer. Although I need a pretty good grant for that, um, and not a grant application, and not like no, I need I would need you like just writing a check for grants, and then I'll hire a producer. But um, this is exactly what it appears to be. Whereas Black Lives Matter tried to be fancy. All right, so there's also a struggle in being broke. And, I, you know, if anybody knows Christian Smalls, he should be worried because now he's going to get flooded with donations and money and, and like, it's going to be tempting because everyone you know is broke to, and then people are going to start calling you, people you went to high school with, everybody you ever met is going to, you're going to go broke like an NBA player because everyone they know is broke. And so they start hooking people up, but then it's going to be malfeasance. And so... Chris Smalls, I'm just saying, keep the Amazon labor union books tight. Just use it for food and for swag for the people. Keep working class people. You got to be like Magic Johnson in this. Make your money by assists. Don't try to score points. Make your money by assists. <laughs> Magic Johnson in the 80s. He was sharing the love. Right? Get Kareem the ball. Oh. Uh, <laughs> That was, you got to be Magic Johnson. You could, you could be flashy with your assists, no look passes and stuff, but you, you get, if you're a black activist, don't start thinking you can score points on yourself. You score points through assists. You, you, you win through assists. And that's how, we, that's how we share the love in this, in this activism game. And clarify the fight, right? So we need working class people to be, everyone in every warehouse should be making $30 an hour. If you're working for Amazon in a warehouse, you need to be making $30 an hour. That you've never heard of Alicia Garz or any of them talk like this is because they weren't rooted in that struggle. You need to be making at least $30 an hour because you're doing work, right? Like you should be paid like an like a automotive worker if you're working in an Amazon warehouse. I don't want any black person in the United States making under $30 an hour. I'll be honest. It should be, you know, even if the private employer kicks in $10 and the federal government kicks in the other 20, you know, let minimum wage be like the minimum white wage or the minimum non-black wage. If you're an American descendant of slaves, not even me, I'll exempt myself because my dad's African, my mom's from South Carolina, but my dad's African. I'll exempt myself. Every other black person who's got four black grandparents who were born here, they should not, the federal government should put in $20 on every, um, on, on their wage. So wherever they're working, they're making $30 an hour. I would support that in a heartbeat, even if you exempt me. Because, you know, I have daughters and I want, their, I want my daughters to go, eventually go to a prom and I want their dates to have parents who work and make good money, right? So it's not even about me. It's about the ecosystem. I want black communities to do well, right? So we need to be start getting creative and we need to be honest, about the struggle and the struggle's material. The struggle is how do we move the resources and the wealth into black community hands? It's not about criminal justice. I would like to abolish prison, but let me get black people contracts, land, money, and uh, first. And then we can talk about abolishing prisons, right? And we can talk about, because I think crime will go down once everybody makes good money for working a regular job. 
like there isn't low crime in the suburbs or low violent crime in the suburbs because of like the whiteness it's low violent crime because of everyone has a stable job except the inner ring suburbs now which are filled with poor folks because they're getting kicked out of the cities and now they're in the inner ring sub these inner suburbs inner ring suburbs that don't have the same resources so now they're just struggling and that's a whole different show that is a whole different show so be careful of black activists who don't first talk about the working class struggle if they talk about their sexuality or their gender or anything else it's about the working class struggle and getting black people land contracts good jobs then we can talk about some other nonsense not nonsense but like other things but thank you for your time i will talk to you next week peace